Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? All right, wave at me. Hey, we got some folks all the way in the back. I love people sitting in the back because nobody can throw popcorn that far at me, you know? Front row people at Colton, he's, I, there's a smoothie. I'm in danger, you know? You tell a bad joke, people throw fruit, popcorn. I don't like it. We don't do that here, all right? So just leave that off. Well, hey, I'm so excited to be here. If you don't know who I am, uh, you're a lucky individual, and the Lord has blessed you. No, I'm kidding. My name is Jake, and I'm the lead pastor here at Joy Church, along with my wife, Bethany. And we, along with everybody here on the team at Joy Church, uh, want to just welcome you if you're visiting today. If this is your first time here, maybe you're checking out the God thing, checking out church. Maybe you got invited by somebody. They drug you along and said, we have donuts and coffee, so come on. Maybe you thought you were going to go see a movie today, and you, you walked in here. Now it's too weird to leave. For whatever reason you're here, I know that it's not by accident that God wanted you to be here. And I believe God is going to do something really cool in your life today, whether through a word or a conversation that you have, or even just what we did in that time of singing and worship where we're in the presence of God. So I'm excited about today. I want to say welcome to you and to everybody else that's here today. And uh, if you've been here for more than one year, raise your hand because we, we invite, we, you know, we celebrate visitors and everything. Visitors, you're awesome. But people that have been here for a little bit longer, you're awesome too. Give yourself a hand. Awesome. Well, we are continuing in a series, actually concluding a series today called God Goggles. And we're exploring this idea uh, of what would it be like to see the world and see ourselves and see other people through God's eyes. Because God sees differently than you and I. Are you, is that right? It says in the book of Isaiah, uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I, I declare this over my children every day. Listen, you think you know what's up? You don't know what's up. Here's what's up. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares your father who are in, in, in Eugene, Jacob be his name. Um, I said, I was gonna say Medford because my dad used to use that joke. So I was repurposing it. But um, our thoughts are not the thoughts of the Lord. His thoughts and ways are higher. He has a higher vision, a higher perspective, which is good, isn't it? Because you and I get limited in our thinking and uh, we need to be transformed. So one of the ways that we need to be transformed and put on God goggles is in how we see our purpose in life. How we see our purpose in life. One of the questions you'll hear people ask all the time is, what do I do with my life? And you remember when you were a kid and you, the people would ask you this question, what do you want to be when you what? When you grow up. How many of you are still trying to figure this out? Yeah. You know, I'm in my mid-30s and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. I know it's like either an astronaut, a race car driver, or a ninja. So I'm in, in between. I'm just doing this pastor gig for a little while until I really connect with my true purpose as a ninja. Okay, well, uh, I wanted to go ahead and throw up on the screen here. I mean, I'm not going to throw up on the screen in case. We're going to place on the screen a slide uh, where some children were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? So we're going to go ahead and put these up. Now, this one right here, if you're religious, you won't like this church. So this is just going to introduce you to Joy Church right off the bat. How many of you know things are not always what they seem? Okay, when I grow up, I want to be like mommy. Now, mommy, I don't know if you see what's happening here. It has a distinct perspective. Okay. This is, the, this, is the, this is mommy writing to the teacher because this, this young girl drew this picture. This is, I want to be like my mom when I grow up. Here's the reply the teacher received the following day. Dear Mrs. Jones, I wish to clarify that I am not now, nor have I ever been an exotic dancer. <laughs> I work at Home Depot and I told my daughter how hectic it was last week before the blizzard hit. I told her we sold out every single shovel we had and then I found one more in the back 
and that several people were fighting over who would get it. Her picture does not show me dancing around a pole. <laughs> it's supposed to depict me selling the last snow shovel we had at Home Depot. From now on, I will remember to check her homework more carefully. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be like, Mommy, let's go to the next one here. Uh, when I grow up, I am seven. I want to be eight. <laughs> how, how many of you believe it's important to set manageable goals in life, you know? I mean, you could want to be worse things. When I grow up, I want to be a dog. At least he doesn't want to be a cat. All right, next one. When I grow up, I want to be a customer in his store. I will buy broccoli, tomatoes, and carrots. When I get home, I will make soup. I think this person's actually going to be a haiku uh, <laughs> writer. Wow. Um, when I grow up, some guy, I want to be some guy who is a person who does nothing. How many of the men in the room are like, we're there. <laughs> we did success, right? We've achieved. All right. Uh, Andy, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? I want to sell fruit at a busy intersection. I mean, the kids got business savvy, right? Because you don't want to be selling fruit at a non-busy intersection. So what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and then what are the three things you want to do in the future? I love this one. I want to get a girlfriend. Amen, guys, right? Get a girlfriend. I want to kiss her. Yeah. And then I rule the world. That's... <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you men in the room are like, what, what else is there in life? I mean, <laughs> girlfriend, kiss her, rule the world, you know? That's, I've, I have a girlfriend and I kiss her and I'm, now I'm working on number three. I mean, it's easy three, three-step plan. My, you know, Bethany, uh, actually, Bethany and I are trying to rule the world together because we're woke. It's the 21st century. And we're married in case anyone, the, the girlfriend thing was a joke. Like, we're married for many years. Okay. So purpose, right? When you're a kid, you, you, you get asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and there's something about being young and like having your whole life ahead of you. And, and this, this idea that like, there's, you're going to be something, you're going to do something with your life. But then along the way, kind of like the opposite end of the spectrum, we start kind of, we're thinking about what we want to do and be, but, but somewhere along the way, life gets hard. It gets busy. You get knocked down a few times. You, you don't get the, the every straight A that you thought you would. You don't, you know, become the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. You know, your dreams that you have, they don't necessarily happen. And so you get tired, you get weary. And uh, how many of you would say, yeah, you know what? I started off and I really had big hopes, big dreams, big idea about purpose. But, you know, along the way, you get knocked down, you get tired. Come on. And, and, all, and all of a sudden, life kind of becomes trying to get through it, right? So instead of living your life and uh, it, we just sort of start living to, to get to the weekend. You'll hear people say, I'm living for the weekend or, or I'm living to retire. Like I'm living to get through my life. And I relate to this. Bethany and I have three kids, seven, five, and three. And, you know, in between uh, their normal, uh, wonderful behavior, at times they get a little naughty and it gets kind of tiring, right? Hearing the constant, ah, mom, this person pulled my hair. This person did this in the car. And sometimes you're just like, oh my goodness, if we could just get through today, come on, get to the evening and get to Netflix and collapse, right? How many of you bear witness to this? You got small kids, like, get me through my day, get me through my life. And then if you don't have small children, if you're through that season of life, right? And you're like, praise Jesus, come on, we're, we're through that season of life, but maybe you have hard people at work. You know, life doesn't get easier, it just transitions, it changes. And so, there's weariness at every level, but sometimes, and I want you to ask yourself this question, am I living my life to get through my life or am I living my life full of purpose 
Am I living my life full of meaning? Is my life infused with a God-given purpose in every step that I take, every thought that I think, every choice I make? Am I, am I living my life or is my life kind of living me and am I just living to get through it? You know, we, we, we heard from those kids that said what they want to be when they grow up, but I want to talk a little bit about retirement because, you know, when you talk to people who work really hard, as most of you or all of you do, you know, retirement is kind of like hanging out there as this, this golden moment. Am I right? It's like I put in my time, I've done my work, and now I get to sort of fade out into the, right away into the sunset. But I want you to know that retirement can kill you. Did you know this? Like retirement can actually kill you. And this is scary, but listen, let me give you some, I want to read this uh, little article to you. And I got it from the internet, 100% trustworthy. So you can trust. It says in this article, most people can't wait for retirement because it's time to finally relax and let your hair down if you have any left at this point. There's no need to wake up at the crack of dawn, rush to eat breakfast, and then run to work in a panic. There's no boss breathing down your neck, barking orders, and closely monitoring your arrival and break times. Freedom is here. Everybody go, ah, I'm retired. It's over. On the other hand, for some retirees, that freedom becomes a little too permanent. Bum, bum, bum. Instead of crossing items off a bucket list, some are kicking the bucket soon after calling it quits. One study of Shell oil workers found workers who retire at age 55 are 89% more likely to die during the 10 years after retirement than workers who retire at age 65. How shocking is that? Retiring at age 55, almost 90% more likely to die than those who retired even a full decade later. Why does it seem like some folks die right after they have permission to relax? You might reason those who died after retiring early were probably already sick, and that's why they died. However, Researchers have found this isn't necessarily true. Oregon State University researchers, never mind, throw it out. It's obviously garbage research. <laughs> it's obviously false. <laughs> Oregon State University uh, researchers discovered adults who were in good health who retired one year after age 65 had an 11% lower risk of dying from all causes. This was true even when lifestyles, health issues, and demographics were taken into consideration. In addition, survey participants who identified themselves as unhealthy were also found to live longer if they continued to work. Both healthy and unhealthy workers were more likely to live longer if they delayed retirement. So it's possible the longer you work, the longer you'll live. Still thinking about retiring early? Now, how many of you have heard something like this before, right? And what, what do we understand? Because I mean, I know I get it. Like at some point you are going to retire. At some point you're working towards something. And I'm not even trying to take anyone's retirement away from them. And, and tell you, you know, join, uh, you know, join this new job opportunity or anything. No, because maybe if you're retired here, you're like, oh my goodness, I came to church and now I feel like I'm going to die. They're like, Jake, we always feel like we're going to die when you preach, but now we have stats to back it up, you know? <laughs> um, no, that's not the point. The point is what's happening here is when a person gets disconnected from purpose. You see, what happens when somebody retires is they've been aiming at something and maybe that something was that retirement date. There was a goal, there was purpose, and so each and every day was being aimed towards something, towards the achievement of a goal. And when you get a goal, guess what happens? You got it. And now what? Have you ever had this kind of thing? Like for me, the Christmas letdown, right? I mean, every, every time as a kid, it's like towards Christmas, like the end of November, all of a sudden presents start happening, appearing under the tree. And it's like the anticipation is amazing. You know, you just can't wait to find out. And we're trying to shake the presents and see. And my mom had to conceal and put rocks in them and and all the anticipation and the excitement and you lead up to Christmas and then like Christmas Eve, you can't sleep mostly because you've eaten all of Santa's cookies, you know, and, but you're just so excited. And then you open all the presents on Christmas day and it's cool, 
But then there's like kind of a letdown because you, everything was being set up for this moment. And purpose is something that draws you forward. Why are people dying at age 55, otherwise in perfect health? Because once purpose is gone, then all of a sudden there's not a reason to live. And even physically that affects you and impacts you. But how much more spiritually without purpose, how much more emotionally, how much more in every area of life when you don't have purpose? Here's the big idea today. Purpose matters. And we need to get God's vision, God's perspective on our purpose in life. Now, one of our slogans around here, we put it up on the sign right here, is you were made on purpose and for a purpose. How many of you have heard me say that many times? We have it again here on the sign. You were made on purpose. We believe God created and formed and fashioned you. You're not time plus slime plus chance. You're not somebody's mistake. You're not a biological accident. You were called and chosen and formed for this time and this season. And you might think, no, my life doesn't mean much. No, but God, in his wisdom, decided that you would exist now, okay? You were made on purpose. And you were also made for a purpose, for a purpose. This is what we believe. We believe that 100% here. And my mission today is that when you walk out of here and you try to rush to beat the other churches to the best restaurants that, and, and you win because, come on, we're winners here, right? Like you beat them. And you're in line first and you're like, how you doing? Jesus loves you. And then you order your food first. That's the gospel right there. Come on, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> Just being like Jesus. No, but when you walk out of here today that you're gonna be believing that 100% too, that I have purpose, I was made on purpose, I was made for purpose. And let me just tell you, when you connect to living a life of purpose, guess what? You're not gonna die when you retire at age 55 because there's a higher purpose in your life beyond just living for getting even, getting ahead, getting by, come on. You're going to be living for something that's way beyond and above yourself, living for the kingdom of God, living for the heavenly vision, the purpose that God has for each and every one of us. You see, really there is life at two levels. All of us are living in the natural plane of existence, the natural realm where we're working at jobs, we're making sure there's food on the table and we can pay rent and we can you know, keep Netflix on or whatever it is that our, our financial goals are. And uh, there's that li life at that level, but there's also a higher level, which is God's transcendent purpose for your life. And when people talk about living a life of meaning or living a life of purpose, they're talking about getting above survival into the place where you thrive, into the place where you're doing and being what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be. And when you connect with that life of purpose, you'll never be bored. You might get tired. You might get a little burned out. You might get a little bent out of shape from time to time, but you will not be bored because your life was made to be an adventure with God, leading you into everything he's called you to do and everything he's called you to be. So I want to share with you real quick two thoughts about purpose, and then I'm going to at the end give you three things that I think are going to really, really uh, make a big difference as you move forward with this. But number one, we need to understand that God, number one, has purpose in us. God has purpose in you. And number two, God has purpose for you. As we connect with understanding God goggles, getting God's perspective of our purpose in life, we need to understand that it takes place in two primary ways. First, his purpose inside of us. Many times people think when I become a Christian, all that it is is I become a Christian and now I just do Christian type things in order to serve this deity, to serve this God. And, and basically we, we have all this purpose for us, but we forget that God actually has purpose in us, that God doesn't just save you so that you can be a worker bee. He saves you so he can restore your identity, so he can restore your relationship with him, with yourself and with other people so that God can actually help you become more like the person or reconnect you to the person you were actually intended to be, 
right? That being a Christian is not just about what we do for God. It's our relationship with God. It's our relationship with one another. It's the beauty and the enjoyment of life. I think one of the most fascinating things is that people believe, a lot of people believe this lie that becoming a Christian takes away all of the joy and the fun of life because they associate doing things that are, that are actually harmful to them as what's fun and what's enjoyable. But when you actually come to Christ and you drink of his living water, what you find is that your taste buds come back for the actual life you were created to live. And all of a sudden, the thing that you thought was what got you, you know, gave you your jollies in life, that, that no longer satisfies. And you begin to be satisfied by the real life that God created you to live. You know, Bethany and I, we used to drink uh, soda pop, you know, Coke and Pepsi and all that stuff, wild cherry Pepsi. I love to get Roy Rogers, you know, at the cherry grenadine, really good. And uh, at one point I was like, hey, I'm fat. And so I wanted to stop uh, drinking soda. And so I cut that sugar out. And then we started drinking really hoity-toity, like soda water. <laughs> People are like, hey, what do you want to drink? I'll have water, soda water, you know. LaCroix. How many of you know LaCroix, right? LaCroix is like hipster liquor. You know what I mean? It's, we, and we just, we just, we pretty much have a, a vat on top of our house full of LaCroix, you know, and I just come and I just, it comes out of the ceiling. It's amazing. Um, but I loved the taste of the, the heavily caffeinated sugar soda pop, right? And I would drink that. And, and, and when I stopped and I hated like carbonated water, it was disgusting. And people still say this, they're like, how do you drink that? Right? But once I got off of the, the saccharine, sweet, harmful thing, all of a sudden, over a period of time, my taste buds became alerted and activated. And the simpler flavor of the LaCroix, whoever, whatever that is, you know, it ta ju what juice tastes like to ghosts, people say, you know. <laughs> LaCroix is like drinking water and someone shouts the name of a fruit from another room. And then all you just... <laughs> but all of a sudden, that simple flavor, it began to satisfy me. Now, how does this apply to what I'm talking about? God has purpose in you. You thought that, you know, well, being a Christian is boring and it's like so lame. And like, we go to church and we sing stupid songs. And like, I have to listen to that music and that really, okay. no, 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 no. God's going to change you. He has purpose in you. And you're going to find your satisfaction and fulfillment inside of him. And this is, this is so important that we understand this, that God's purpose in you, he, transforming you into the image of his son, Jesus, and, and getting your heart and your mind right, getting your, your life saturated and soaked with grace and with truth. This is God's purpose in you. It's a beautiful, big, grand thing. But number two, flowing from that purpose in you is God has purpose for you. Because when you connect with and understand God's purpose in you, you begin to get a vision of God's purpose for you. Come on, when you, when you understand his purpose in you and you start connecting with God in that internal level, all of a sudden you recognize, wow, what God's doing in me, he wants to do in others. What God's doing in me, he wants to do in the world. This renewal and reconciliation and this power that's going on on the inside of me, God wants to get it to me so he can get it through me. And, and as you begin to connect with his purpose in you, you begin to be able to uh, connect with his purpose for you. So God's purpose for you, I want to read you this verse in Ephesians chapter two. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Come on, you are a masterpiece, right? Not an accident. God did everything right when he made you. It was done on purpose and for purpose. It says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago, long ago. I love this word masterpiece because what it's indicating is that we are very valuable, very special, the handiwork of a master artist. On our honeymoon, Bethany and I went to the UK and we went to all these different art museums and it was amazing to walk into these places and see a painting by Leonardo da Vinci 
you know, and then walk over here and here's one by Michelangelo and then a Donatello. All the Ninja Turtles had their paintings in these places. It was amazing. They're not just ninjas, guys. They're incredibly talented. People don't realize. Some people are like, what the heck are he talking about right now? It's okay. You just, you just got to keep coming back. Don't worry. You'll, you, you'll, you'll be with the rest of us soon, soon. We go in and all these masterpieces are on the wall, these beautiful works of art and the skill and the, the talent that it, was, that, that it took to create these things. And it's incredible there because there's really nobody guarding it. There'd be like one old guy, like a couple hundred feet down the thing and just like standing there, you know, totally out of it. And it, you could just grab the painting or do whatever you wanted. It was amazing to me. But these masterpieces hanging on the wall. And I think when, when Paul uses this word to describe you and I, he's saying you're like this masterpiece, this work of art. But we're not just a work of art that's meant to hang on a wall. We are to be a walking, breathing uh, representation of God. I'm going to talk about this in a second, that you and I are made in the image of God. It doesn't mean that we are a picture of God. It actually means that we're to be a reflection of God, but in the three-dimensional world, that we're to walk and speak and interact, and we are a masterpiece, lovingly designed. In fact, we're so valuable and so worthwhile, that purpose that God worked in us, that it says here that he has created us anew in Christ because sin and separation from God and the our past mistakes and the words of others and the hurts and things we've gone through in life, they've distorted and marred the image. They've marred the masterpiece. So God sent Jesus because he said, the purpose that I've made these people for is so great and so valuable that we're literally gonna do it again. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do it again. I created them once, we're gonna create them again, created anew in Christ Jesus to do what? So, we, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. People go, what does that mean, the good things he planned for us long ago? What's being talked about here is the original intention of God for, for men and women uh, that, that he created on this planet. So how many of you know the realm of God is heaven, right? Where does, where does God, where does, he, where does he operate? It's that where he is, his kingdom, it's heaven. We call it heaven. And I don't mean like fat little babies sitting on, on clouds playing harps heaven. I'm just talking about God's realm where God gets what he wants done, done. You know what I'm saying? There is no sickness or disease in heaven. There are no tears in heaven. Thank you, Eric Clapton. There are no, right? There's no murder. There's no, uh, there's no disease in heaven where God's will is established, okay? So that's the realm of God in heaven. And he created earth. He created this place and he created everything. He said, this is good. And then he created man and woman. He created Adam and Eve. And he says, they're good. And then he says, let's make them in our own image. And he says, you're gonna rule and you're gonna reign and you're gonna multiply. And what God was really doing is he's saying, you're gonna reflect me. I made you in my image. It means you're like an angled mirror and the goodness and the glory of God that shines on you is gonna reflect out into the world around you. And you're supposed to make your place look like my place. That's a lot of theology. We will just don't have time to go into all of it, but God made us to be his image, to be his representation, to be the conduit through which his goodness and glory would be exercised and spread around the globe, around this planet, around this, this realm. And sin came in the story and it, and it distorted and it separated and it disconnected. But God said, no, 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 I'm not gonna let that be the end of the story. Maybe for you, there's been a moment in your life where it felt like this is the end of the story. I've been divorced. It's been a horrible situation. My kids are all a mess or I'm a mess. I'm addicted to this or that. I'm, I'm a broken person. I can't get it right. And, and it feels like there's this hard line dividing you from your destiny. And I'm here to tell you right now that by the spirit of God, no, he wants to create you anew in Christ Jesus. Well, what do you mean? He's our, you mean become a Christian? No, he's gonna keep creating you anew. Because how many of you know, even after you come to Jesus, he's still got some work to do inside of you, right? 
But he's pulling us back to this original thing. What, what does he mean when he says to do the good things he planned for us long ago? He's talking about us being the image of God. That's why when Jesus, his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, pray like this. Our Father who art in where? Heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, listen, you want to understand your purpose when you pray? What are we doing? We're praying that heaven would come to earth and it would come through me. Come on, somebody. That heaven would come to earth and it would come through me. This is our purpose. Our purpose is to make this world more like heaven. And we do that by allowing God to work his extraordinary purposes and plans through our ordinary day-to-day lives. God has purpose in you to remake you, to repurpose you, to bring you back in a relationship with him, to integrate your, you and your desires and your passions and to, to fulfill you and satisfy you and, and, and make you right on the inside. But that purpose in you is also to lead to your, his purpose for you, to make the world around you look more like heaven, to be the image of God, reflecting his goodness and glory. And so today, as we get ready to, to close, I wanna give you three life-changing thoughts about purpose. And I guarantee you, if you will take these three things that I'm going to tell you, and you will just like download them from the head to the heart and into the the hands and feet. Like if you'll take this from intellectual level into belief and faith level and activity level, it will change your life. Are you ready? Number one, God can do a lot with a little. Let me just say that again, because this is a small statement, but it has a lot of firepower. God can do a lot with a little. You see, many people are sitting here thinking, this is great, purpose, I know. Yeah, you were made on purpose and for a pure purpose. That's nice. I've heard messages like this before, but I'm nothing. I'm too broken. I'm too this, I'm too that. I'm too, I'm too poor. I, I have too much to lose. I'm too something, whatever excuse. I'm too little, I'm too big. I'm too something and God can't do what Pastor Jake's talking about with me because, and you fill in the blanks, there is something that you believe that is stopping you from believing what God said and what God wants to do in your life. But what I'm here to tell you is maybe you're sitting here thinking, I'm nothing, God can't use me, but you need to have a conversation with Jesus' disciples his 12 dudes that were hanging out with him when he was in his earthly ministry, Jesus says, hey, we're in the midst of this large multitude of people, probably conservatively about, there was 5,000 men, so probably 20,000 people with men, women, and children. And Jesus says, listen, you know, these people are hungry. Hey guys, feed them. They're like, Jesus, we can't feed these people. He says, well, what do you have? What do you have? And they say, okay, well, we have a lunch. We have a few loaves and a few fishes. And Jesus says, bring them to me. And all of a sudden, Jesus takes somebody's lunch, a little, And he turns it into a feast to feed a multitude because God can do a lot with a little. And you might be sitting here today going, well, all I have is lunch. I mean, maybe you're sitting here today and all you literally have is lunch money to, to get your next meal and that's all you've got. But I'm here to tell you that God can do a lot with just a little, with a small step of faith, with a little bit of trust, with a little bit of belief, With a little bit of faith, with a little bit of obedience, God can do a lot with a little. It says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, God can blow your mind. He can do a lot 
with a little. And so if you're sitting here going, okay, I want to connect with purpose, Pastor Jake, but I'm so limited. I just have a little. All I'm asking you to do is trust that God can do a lot with that little. Put that little into motion. Do that, take that little step of faith. Come on, God can do a lot with a little. Number two, God wants to elevate your vision to another level. There was an old, I think, Mad TV sketch or one of those types of things where there was a guy and he would say, he would say, uh, you know, this is this this was down here, like this party was down here, but this party over here, it's at a whole nother level. <laughs> How many of you seen that, right? This is, you know, this this job was like down here on this level, but this job over here is on a whole nother level. How many of you didn't think I could hit that high note, right? You didn't have faith. Come on, God can do a lot with a little. Ah! Anyways, God wants to elevate your vision to a whole nother level. See, so many times we think that we see what is possible. And you might be right. But did you know something? You, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you don't see the career, the destiny, the ministry doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you don't see the miracle, that doesn't mean it's not coming. Just because you don't see your marriage being restored, doesn't mean it can't be. Just because you don't see your health being restored, just because a doctor told you that you're going to die at such and such an age, because, you know, that's how it is. That's how this world works. Doesn't mean that that has to be your reality. Come on. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And if you have kids, you know exactly how this works. Because our kids, they have so much faith. They just think we have unlimited money, unlimited time. <laughs> they have no clue that mom and I work for, their, for the income that we provide our, for our family. with. They're like, let's go to Disneyland this week. What? Yeah, let's just go to Disneyland. One does not simply go to Disneyland, right? <laughs> They're like, hey, let's just go to Palm Springs this week. We did that before. Let's just go again. We're like, guys, no, hold on a second. You know, and they're, they're unlimited in their thinking because they don't understand. They don't even see this realm of us working hard to provide for the, for the family, right? My kids are like just now starting to connect with this idea of us working and how that actually produces income. How many of you wish all of the children in America would understand this idea that work leads to income? Anyway, so like, you know, working, when you actually work at a job and then they, you get a paycheck, it's this novel idea. Like, it's amazing. You guys aren't with me on this. I'm sorry. I'm just, okay. But God wants to elevate your vision. My kids, they don't see it, but it doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean it's not affecting their life. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. God wants to elevate our vision to get us to look up and recognize that he has more for us than just to get by, to get ahead, to get even. He, he wants to lead us into a life of destiny to do great things. I remember I was about 14 or 15 years old and I needed to get glasses. And so I went to Walmart and uh, was at the Walmart optometrist. I think, you know, they give you a better deal there or something. And and I remember putting my glasses on, walking out, and all of a sudden, I remember seeing a rollback sign. You know the rollback sign? And being like, wow, that's amazing. I can see it, you know? And it was always there, but I couldn't see it before. I mean, not clearly, not across the store like I could. You know what I'm saying? And what changed was not that they moved the rollback sign or that they all of a sudden made everything a bigger font. No, I changed my perspective, my vision. See, right now, you're sitting here, and you have a limited vision, every one of us. But God wants to elevate our vision so we begin to connect with and see not, not what is possible, but what is only possible with him in the supernatural. In Acts chapter 19, the apostle Paul stands before King Agrippa and he's talking about Jesus appearing to him. And he says, oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I, that phrase rings out to me. 
the heavenly vision. See, many of us have an earthly vision and God wants to give us a heavenly vision. Many of us are trying to get through our life and we're just trying to get to Netflix at night, you know, get through, get through our, our, our kids that day. We're trying to get to retirement so we can finally get rid of the, 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 the people that we have to work with. We're trying to get through our life and that's because we only see at one level, but God wants to elevate our vision so we get a heavenly vision. Let me just tell you right now, you might work at Bymart, you might work at Dairy Mart, you might work at Selco, you might work at Joy Church, you might work wherever you work, but that's not where you work or who you work for. You work for the kingdom of heaven and you have a boss. Come on, come on. You have a king that has a command for you and he's calling you to get a heavenly vision for your life. So wherever you go and whatever you do, you're not living life at one level, you're living it at two. You have your earthly vision. Yeah, you're putting food on the table, providing for your family, but you have heavenly vision and elevated vision for what your life can do and who you are. So I want you to ask yourself, what is God's calling in my life? God, do you want to elevate my vision? You know, we don't know what we don't know. And every one of us right now could get a little bit higher vision and say, God, you could do a lot with a little. God, you could do something with my life that I can't even see, that I can't even ask or think or imagine at this time. Number three, do you know you'll never find purpose without looking for it? See, a lot of people are waiting for God to smack them on the side of the head. You know, just come along and pop. And all of a sudden now I'm like, wow, I see it. I get it. I'm, now I'm going to move into the destiny that God has for me. That's not how it works. They're doing nothing, waiting for something to happen. But that's not how it works. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's something about people that actually achieve what God has called them to, that actually move forward into a godly destiny and get a hold of a heavenly vision, is that they're not just content to keep their eyes down low. They seek actively. They take steps actively to seek God, to find him, to, to pursue his heart. They are in motion. Come on, they, they actually do something even when they don't know exactly where that something will lead them to. Let me just tell you, when we were planting Joy Church, Bethany and I were driving on the way out to Junction City. We're talking about the kind of church we want our kids to grow up in. God, what do you want Joy Church to look like? And none of you were here. Amen? That guy and where's Judah? Those two guys were here and a few other people that had kind of said, we might show up. But at this point, it was like four or five of us. But in the car, it was just Bethany and I. And maybe some kids being naughty in the back. I don't remember. I've expunged that from the record. I've expunged that from memory. But I remember us there saying, God, we, we don't know where we're going to get our paycheck from. We don't know if anybody's going to come. We don't know what's going to happen. But all we had was faith and hope and saying, God, you, you've shown us that you can do a lot with a little in the past. We believe you'll do it now. God, you've elevated our vision. We see that our life is not just meant to be to be uh, live for ourselves. We're supposed to plant a church. We're supposed to take on this challenge, even though it scares us so much, it gives us diarrhea. Come on. God, you've elevated our vision. And now, God, we're willing to actually look for purpose. We're actually willing to take a step. We're actually going to step out and say, hey, we have a church. And how many of you are glad that somebody said at least had enough faith, even with liquefied bowels, to actually step forward? Come on. Some people are like, that's too, I can't clap for that. It's too. How many of you are glad that, that my parents in 1982, before I was even born, decided to, to be obedient to God and plant a joy church. 
How many of you are glad that 2,000 years ago that Jesus gathered a bunch of disciples, just people fishing at a lake and collecting taxes, and they took a step of faith? That's the reason that you're, you and I are here today. How many of you are glad for the people in Lane County that are going to receive Jesus and have their lives impacted because you today make a decision to not sit down and not do anything but pursue purpose? That should be the loudest clap, but it's the most scary because you know it's me saying you got to do something. How many of you are glad about that? But you're never going to find purpose without looking for it, without taking a step of faith. Okay, Pastor Jake, I want to take a step. What do I do? Well, let me make it really easy for you. If you have not yet taken Next Track, Go to Next Track. Next Track is our four-week journey experience where you go into theater too. It's an hour long. It happens at nine o'clock and you get to connect with your spiritual gifts and find out some ways for you to serve inside the church. You go, well, am I really gonna change the city by serving in the nursery? Yes, 100% you will. Am I really gonna change the city? Am I really gonna connect with God's purpose by helping usher and helping set stuff up? Absolutely but that's just one step. See, you have to be able to understand that God can do a lot with a little, but if you're never willing to take that first step, you get to, you never get to see the end of the road. You never get to see the end. Pastor Jake, well, I've, I've gone through next track. Why are you on a team? Pastor Jake, I'm on a team. Do you go to joy group? Are you a part? Have you bought in? Are you all in or are you hedging your bet? Come on. Are you straddling the line? Are you living in a safe and comfortable level of life? Are you saying, God, I'm all in? Well, what if I get hurt by this church? You will. What if Pastor Jake is mean to me? I will be at some point. And you'll be mean to me. And guess what? We all need Jesus. And there's still a mission and there's still a city and there's still a place that God's called us to do something. What's my next step? You got to step forward though. You can't just sit down and wait for your purpose to come and attack you in the night. It's not going to happen. Everything that God has led me forward in, in purpose always came with a little step of faith, just trusting and putting it into motion. I love the quote by Wayne Gretzky, and we'll, we'll end here. He said, 100% of the shots you don't take don't go in. I'll give you one more quote because I like quotes. <laughs> and we can't end with a sports reference. People get offended when I talk about sports too much. Pastor Craig Rochelle says, if it comes with a guarantee, it's not faith. How many people, how many of you right now are like, well, if I have a guarantee that if I put my life into the kingdom, if I take a step forward in God, that everything's going to work out. You have no guarantee. And I would never guarantee you. If somebody does guarantee you, they're a liar. Well, what if, Pastor Jake, what if God tells me to give sacrificially to the building project? Is there a guarantee that all my resources are going to come back and I'm going to have the double, double and the triple, triple and all the blessing? No, heck no. Pastor Jake, if I step forward and I start serving in the nursery, is it guaranteed that, that I'm going to love it? Absolutely not. You might hate it. I don't know. We don't know. But it's about God calling you forward in purpose. Are you going to take a shot? Or are you going to take your God-given life and sit on it and waste it, bury your head in the sand, and never discover the amazing purpose that God has for you and for me? Amen. This morning, I know every, every week, People come to church looking for hope, looking for love, looking for life, looking for answers. Who knows why? But I can tell you what you're actually looking for is a relationship with Jesus. And so maybe you're here and you're like, okay, like I wasn't thinking about becoming a Christian today. Well, guess what? God brought you here on purpose, for purpose, because he loves you to bits. You ever have your little kids and you squeeze them so hard they go, ah, you know, I'm not talking about child abuse. I'm talking about over love. You know what I mean? It's like, my little girl, Penny, she's three, and I'll just grab her and squeeze her, you know, and she's like, ah. 
huge smile on her face. And I just think, man, I only have a tiny glimmer of the love of God for every person in this place. And I just want you to know that maybe you think your sin and your, 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 your past mistakes, your failures, that God could never love you. He could never love you more. And he will never love you less. God wants to put you in his arms today and squeeze you. Maybe you heard some jerk Christian at some point condemn you and judge you. But I want you to hear the words of Jesus who says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. You know, your righteousness is not based on your performance. It's based on his act of righteousness on your behalf that he does for you. And he invites you in to experience his grace and mercy. So listen, if you're here today and you feel disqualified, welcome to the club. We're all disqualified. That's what grace is about. Well, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. Good. You can't be good enough to be a Christian. If you're good enough in your own, you aren't a Christian. So if you're like me and you need a savior, then Jesus is for you. So if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Jake, I want that. This is your moment to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Let's all bow our head, bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you today, you're like, Pastor Jake, I want Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? I want into his family. Come on, I see, I see that. Thank you all over the room. Come on, I want Jesus. I want to put my faith in him today. I want to trust him. Thank you, I see that. Come on, this is your moment. Like, don't be, don't be scared. Take that small step. I'm going to trust Jesus. He's going to lead you on the adventure of a lifetime and he's going to be with you every step of the way. If you raise your hand and all the rest of us, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I know that I've not lived up to your standard but I thank you for your grace and your mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me. I give you my life and I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.